This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Like Chris Canty and Chris Carlin were advocating for Michael Rubin's white party and what you can wear, what you cannot. They're not here right now, though. You got Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein filling in for the guys on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hot, big hot guy summer. I mean, hey, we, we, I, I don't, I didn't know that was a thing. I thought yeah. we like kind of like have done away with like hot girl summer. The whole thing it seems very like 2019 of us. It, yeah, I mean, well, answer. yesterday we started we we started a campaign yesterday here on Candy and Carlin. Vanessa Richardson, Chris Candy, and myself in the five o'clock hour. We started a campaign, and it is Carlin 2024. Get him to the white party. That is the campaign that is going to happen on Candy and Carlin, mostly because I think Candy wants to buy Carlin the white linens that he was talking about just to see what this would happen. So we are trying every day to get to Michael Rubin to make sure that he can get Chris Carlin an invitation to the white party next summer. I am here for it, and I can promise every time I do Candy and Carlin, this will come up. And Courtney, you know more than anything else, I am nothing if not thorough and very, very adamant to a bit. Well, that's something that's good, and it's always good to find a cause to campaign for. Apparently, getting Carlin to the white party next year is one of those things. In the NBA world, we're seeing people campaign for where not to go, which is Damian Lillard's agent, Aaron Goodwin. Right now, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, there's a story up at ESPN.com that details the inner workings of how this Damian Lillard trade request out of Portland came together five days ago, and that Aaron Goodwin, his agent, has reportedly been telling teams, not name the Miami Heat, don't trade for my client. He doesn't want to be there. You would get a, quote, unhappy Damian Lillard if he ends up with a team that is not in South Beach. And whether this is just, you know, all leverage is good leverage, just matters that you have leverage type of situation. This is an agent doing the work on behalf of his client. We don't know if that's going to be something that actually pans out with Dame going to South Beach to the Miami Heat to pair up with Bam and Jimmy or if he ends up going somewhere else because the Trailblazers get a better offer. But Woj, who has been reporting the story from the very beginning, has had this to say about why this whole thing is taking so long. It really matters how much of a stomach Portland is going to have in the end to hold on to Damian Lillard. If they don't like the trades that are out there, do they bring him back to training camp? Do they start the season? Do they hope that as the season gets going, that people's attitudes toward what they were willing to offer in the summer, they might change during the year when their team struggles to start or there's pressure from an owner, from another star player to add them. Those things aren't always as relevant in the summertime, especially after free agency. Their initial reaction is, we're not going to just trade Damian Lillard to Miami because he wants to go there if there is not a deal that we see uh, that makes sense for us. That's the exact situation that the Brooklyn Nets found themselves in 365 days ago with Kevin Durant. We're not going to trade him just because he says he wants out of Brooklyn. We'll wait until we get the best offer. That best offer did not show itself until the trade deadline when they were able to get multiple first-round picks, draft capital, and players in the mix for KD sending him to Phoenix. And that could be a situation that they find themselves in, in Portland. I don't know how Dame would react to that. I don't know if that's one that, you know, considering where this team is headed, very much in a rebuild. Right, that but, that's a different, but that's the difference between Brooklyn and Portland. Because Brooklyn, when KD asked for that deal, they had championship aspirations. They have built this thing around, you know, around – Around ben, well, originally around Harden and Kyrie, and then obviously Ben Simmons and Kyrie and KD. 
So that that's the main difference, and I think that's going to be the rub for, for Portland because at least with KD, they can go to him and say, listen, we have this structure to where you can potentially win a title. You can't say that to Damian Lillard and keep a straight face or even keep, like, a fake smile face. You would literally, like, I mean, you'd have to wear, like, a, a, clown, a clown face, maybe have a little horn, like, you know, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus type thing if you're going to try and say that. You just can't tell Dame Lillard that at all. And I think that that's where it could get a little dicey for them because what's the point if you were the Blazers versus there was a clear end game that could still be attainable if you were the Nets? Yeah, they're not trying to hide it. I don't think that that's at this point, even though they said last week that they were committed to building a winner around Damian Lillard. It's not like they've made either actions have not lined up with their words. Like they are very clearly with Shaden Sharp, with Anthony Simons, with Scoot Henderson. They're headed in a different direction. The best thing for both parties involved is to find a place where Damian Lillard can go and contend for a championship and Portland can get the best return possible in terms of players and expiring contracts in draft capital that just hasn't shown itself yet we've talked about whether that could be a three-team trade because of the type of caliber your play your type of caliber of a player you'd be trading for coming off a career best season but at this point nothing's come to fruition one team that we have sort of like dipped our toe into the trade pool uh like considering like all the teams that could make sense is the Boston Celtics, Mike, and it begs the question as to whether Damian Lillard, not just if he'd be a good fit there, but could Boston make this work? Because right now, we know that they have a decision on their hands regarding the Supermax with the extension extension with uh, Jalen Brown. He is eligible for it. He got second team All-NBA this season, yet he would probably be in a trade for Damian Lillard if they're able to pull that off, but there's some reports coming out of Boston that the Boston Celtics will not be pursuing all-star point guard Damian Lillard because they're closing in on this extension. We just haven't seen it yet. So it does, of course, leave the mystery and the element of why is this thing not happening? Is Boston maybe still considering this, even though as of right now it doesn't look like it? We'll find out because obviously they did move Marcus Smart. That does leave them some sort of hole at the point. Now They have Malcolm Brogdon, so he can fill in there, and you would figure that he would fill in there. So I think it's part of it, and it's also part of, for months it felt like during the regular season, a lot of the conversation was, well, when the season's over, where's Jalen Brown headed? I remember there were conversations of, is Detroit going to try and trade for him? Are other teams going to try and trade for him? So it's not a new conversation. It's just, I think, a different conversation when you're talking about what Boston might do. But Boston needs to be smart and leave open every avenue possible until they actually come to an agreement with Jalen Brown, if they end up doing so. And... This move does one of two things. It opens them up to create more money, you know, in terms of like actual cash for a Jalen Brown extension, or really what it does is it gives them a chance to go after Dame or go after another star that maybe will want to move at some point as well, because it is possible. I'm just hypothesizing here. If Dame goes one place, that might anger star in another place to want to say, Hey, you know what? Please move me. Mm hmm. And the Boston Celtics have been busy. Maybe they're not done yet. We know as of last night, 
Grant Williams is headed to the Mavs as part of a three-team trade. He was a restricted free agent, so he finalized a four-year, $53 million contract. The three-team sign-and-trade has the Spurs getting Reggie Bullock and an unprotected first-round pick swap in 2023. 2030 from Dallas. So again, the Mavs have been busy. The Celtics have been busy. Maybe the Celtics aren't done just yet. It's just hard to picture that that's exactly what Portland would want. If you think that Jalen Brown is worthy of, you know, you know, heightening the price here on Damian Lillard, it doesn't make a whole ton of sense because if you couldn't win with Damian Lillard, what makes you think maybe other than the age, Jalen Brown, I believe 26 years old, that Brown could be somebody who elevates your franchise. We've seen him disappear in postseason series with the Boston Celtics and not be the running mate that Jason Tatum has needed at time. That's the reason that they've entertained the idea of upgrading that spot. Now, a lineup that would have, in theory right now, for saying Jalen Brown's still in the picture here, a lineup that has Damian Lillard, Derek White, Kristaps Porzingis, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum with Al Horford coming off the bench, that's one that I think is very difficult to say, at least on paper, that that's not the best in the NBA. Doesn't feel likely, though, considering what they'd have to give back to Portland in the end. But we're going to stay on this one. This is, is, is such a fascinating idea that Boston could still potentially be in the mix. Maybe they're not and why they haven't done anything yet with Jalen Brown. But the idea that Damian Lillard's agent has been trying to create this leverage. I mean, we've seen this in the NFL where agents have, you know, tried to control the narrative around their player and what these situations are, where whether a player wants out is not happy but to call other teams, I mean, technically, that kind of feels like it's bordering on the line of tampering in a way, but it's not like these agents have that much power to determine what a GM can do and what he can't. Yeah, I mean, but also agents, listen, agents, every agent talks to every team if you have a high-profile client, no matter what. Like, that. that's just how that goes. So, the tampering, like you're talking about, I mean, in the NFL, we know that tampering is... Uh, Happens, but doesn't happen. You know, I think that happens in every sport because if you're talking to an agent and they have a conversation, well, oh yeah, hey, what's going on with this guy? Well, and you're going to have that conversation. So I, I don't think that that's the issue here. I, I'm just really intrigued to see what, what this, if the Blazers traded for Jalen Brown. Though, here's the thing: like, it would make a lot of sense from the perspective of if you are trying to rebuild, a 26-year-old player is a player that you can rebuild around. You've got mm-hmm. other young exactly. players. So you can you can theoretically, if you get an extension done there too, you can lock him up for four or five years, which would then give him three years to maybe build around that. You're going to probably have a couple high draft picks as well, along with Scoot Henderson. I, I would like that actually if I'm the Blazers, because then you hope you hit on a guy. Maybe you hope Scoot's that guy. And then you have a decent core in a year or two and you commit to the rebuild, which teams like Detroit have done and Houston maybe will do, but probably not. We'll, we'll see what that looks like. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. I don't know what the trade – we don't still don't know after all these days, which has only been five <laughs> days and it feels like it's been five years because he still hasn't been moved, what a trade package for Damian Lillard could look like. And, of course, when Boston comes into play here, it makes sense now because we know that there are some tradable assets with the draft picks and what they'd have to do to make room for Damian Lillard on the incoming end. But what's there on the outgoing end remains to be seen. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office 
Office Insider joins us here on Canty and Carlin. And, and let's start there with the theory that Boston could still be in the mix somehow for, for Damian Lillard. Do you think the reason that they haven't signed Jalen Brown to the Supermax extension yet is because they're still trying to feel out whether a Dame trade is a possibility and that Brown might have to go to Portland or be part of a multi-team trade to make that happen, Bobby? No, I mean, I think the reason why we haven't seen an extension yet is, is just figuring out, um, you know, whether there's a player option in last year. Um, certainly the language, um, although he's eligible to the 35%, which would be three, up to $303 million, um, you can negotiate that. It's not kind of, you know, you don't have to hand out a blank check here. Um, so I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think Boston is looking to say, you know what, let's wait a little bit to see where the Lillard talks go. And I think if you're Portland, I wouldn't trade, um, you know, Damian Lillard for Jalen Brown, um, just because he's basically on the last year of his contract. You have the risk of him walking for nothing next year. Uh, and I would be a little bit hesitant from, from that perspective, but I, I don't, I, I know it's kind of coincidental, but I don't see the, the Brown I guess we can call it mini holdup right now regarding extension talks and Lillard kind of lining up right now. I think if you're Boston, you're trying to see what, what can we get? Can we try to get Damian Lillard without giving up Jalen Brown? Or, you know, do we have enough? I don't think they do. Um, but I would be surprised if we get through the, you know, we get to next week and we're still in a, in a little bit of a holding pattern when it comes to Jalen Brown. Bobby, this is interesting because you've been in NBA front offices for a long time. When an agent were to call, like Aaron Goodwin has reportedly called prospective trade partners and said, hey, hey, don't listen, don't trade for my guy here now. When you're in, in the front office, like, do you, how do you treat that? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if Aaron Goodwin called me. No, Aaron, Aaron Goodwin's a really good agent. Uh, I think it's a matter of, are we comfortable trading for a player that initially will not be happy? but who has four years left on his contract. And if we have a really good team around him, I think that kind of, you know, you know, when we get to training camp or we get to, um, you know, we get to the start of the season, if we win, whether it be maybe a team like Utah, for example, if they go out and, you know, trade for Damian Lillard here, who potentially can jump all the way to probably the top in the top four, top five of the, of the Western conference. It, it doesn't bother me. Like I, it, it's the job of the agent and I you certainly have to respect him here, but it, it doesn't bother me that Damian Lillard doesn't only wants to go to Miami. If I have the right package, then I'm going to do it. If there's a comfort level here. I mean, we did it when I was in New Jersey and it was certainly a lot different time. You know, 2000, 2001, Jason Kidd didn't want to come to New Jersey. You know, Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd did not want to be traded to New Jersey from Phoenix here. And, we want him going to an NBA Finals a year later here, so it 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 wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't see that as a threat. If there's, as I said, if there's a comfort level as far as making a deal, and that, um, you know, it's not like he's not going to come to camp. I mean, that's that's a huge. I mean, he basically forfeit two hundred million dollars over the next four years here, which wouldn't make sense on his part. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, with us here on Canty and Carlin. One thing that's kind of lost in all of this, remember Adam Silver was pretty upset about the amount of public trade requests that have come out within the last couple of years, and during his State of the NBA, he talked about that, and we know that the new CBA has a section on public trade requests that say anybody who does it can get fined up to $150,000. There's also a potential suspension. Do you think any of that is going to come into play for 
Damian Lillard here, or even James Harden, knowing that like he opted in and then said he wanted to be traded, is this just is this just language that teams can abide by, or do you think that they actually will stay hard and true to what they have now in their new CBA? I think the language in the CBA is like getting the parking ticket. I mean, I think that's how I look at it. You know, there's really not much teeth. I think what $150,000 fine for requesting a trade or 250,000. I think it's in that range here. I think, I just think it's business as usual. I think it's a matter of how do things go too far. You know, Harden's a little bit different because he opted in and um, is on the last year of his contract. And I don't think we've heard anything from James Harden, but you know, certainly the speculation Lillard is, Lillard's interesting just because you can't you you heard it from the team last Saturday when Joe Cronin issued a statement. And then you heard you saw it today from Aaron Goodwin, his agent um, with Barry Jackson, who writes down here in Miami. Here, basically saying, "Yeah, I've called teams and told them I don't we don't, don't want to go there. It's Miami, right? Like we want to be traded to Miami here." And I just think there's a matter of like what's too far with this. I don't know if we're at this point yet, um, but it's it's there's really no way to you know, put a franchise tag on a player and, and go, you know, in that aspect, it's, you know, as Woj said, it's like the transfer portal, right? You sign your extension, you sign your deal, and then two years or three years later, you ask out. Certainly Lillard's a little bit different because he's been there 12 or 13 years, and that's probably run its course here. But I, I just don't, I don't see the league enforcing what's transpired in the last, in the last week here. Bobby, before we let you go, the news that came out on Wednesday night, the Celtics sending Grant Williams to the Mavs as part of a sign-in trade. We know he turned down the four-year extension offer he got from the Celtics last offseason, which could have been somewhere in that $50 million range with incentives. So the contract he did get, I believe four years, $54 million. How do you think he's feeling today, and how different does this Mavs team look now that they were able to bring Grant Williams in with Kyrie Irving and Luka? I like what Dallas did. You know, certainly um, they've changed up that roster and you add Grant Williams, um, you know, comparable, I guess, to what, you know, the extension was last year. Certainly change of scenery helps, uh, you know, for Grant really in and out of the lineup and seldom used towards the end until we, you know, certainly some playoff games here. I think it hurts Boston. I, I think now you're looking at a front court of Porzingis, Robert Williams, and Al Horford. And two out of those three players Williams and Porzingis are more likely to be in street clothes than on the court. That's my concern as far as where their front court here is. But I, I do like what Dallas was able to do as far as you know, costing some some draft picks here to add a you know player towards their towards their front court. NBA free agency seems to be kind of hitting a holding pattern right now, but we will remain waiting to find out more on Damian Lillard, more on James Harden, and Bobby Marks going to keep us updated on the latest in all of those areas throughout the month of July. We appreciate it as always. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks joining us here on Canty and Carlin, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Straight ahead. Training camp, three weeks away. Which coaches are going into the NFL season on the hot seat? Mike's got his top five list coming your way right here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and 
and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. So badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo. Herbert rolling right, throws, touchdown! To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them. The top five coaches on the hot seat. 63 days away from the start of the 2023 NFL season, opening up on Thursday night football with the World Champion Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. It is coming fast and it is coming furious. This is why it's a list season here on ESPN Radio. We've gone through everything from the top five running backs, wide receivers, fan bases, home field advantages, you name it. Here on Candy and Carlin, you've got Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein. Taking you through our top five NFL coaches on the hot seat. Mike, the floor is yours. Number five. Thank you for that, Eric. I appreciate it. The number five. It's great. I love the voice, the number five. That guy, I want him to narrate my life. But someone who might not number want. Number five. Thank you. Someone who might not want them to narrate their life like that is Brandon Staley. He would be number five on my list. He, it seems like he's been perpetually here the last couple of years, in part because the Chargers have so much talent and they can't seem to get out of their own way. Now they've obviously made the playoffs here once. I, I just I'm not I'm not sold on Brandon Silly being the guy. There have been questionable decisions. Now I know he's a big big believer in analytics, but 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 it's not serving him well and hasn't led to enough wins in a very very difficult division and one that's still dominated by the Kansas City Chiefs. Number four. 
This one's kind of unfair because he didn't ask for this situation. At least I don't believe he did, but he's in this situation nonetheless. And we heard Andrew Hawkins talking about it a little while ago, about an hour ago here on this show. Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski's in a situation where they have to do so many good things with a guy, Deshaun Watson, who did not play well last year. Now, as Andrew Hawkins mentioned, it's looked better for Deshaun Watson here, but there was obviously everything off the field with Deshaun Watson when they made this trade. I think that put Kevin Stefanski and, frankly, GM Andrew Barry in a very, very tough position in terms of having to win because of the $230 million guaranteed contract. If they don't win this year, it feels like they're going to make some big moves in Cleveland, and it starts there with probably moving on from Kevin Stefanski. Number three. This is a guy who I really thought might lose his job last year. Again, tough situation because Bruce Arians retires, and they basically don't give a big search, and they go to Todd Bowles. Does not go well in Tampa Bay last year, as we all know. And then Tom Brady retires with finality. Todd Bowles has to win this year, and it's a tough spot to win in because it feels like they are being set up to lose. Now, maybe they feel like Todd Bowles is the guy to get them through the rebuild, except we have seen in the past what happens when they try to put Todd Bowles in charge of a rebuilding situation when he was with the Jets. That did not go well. So you're asking him to do it again. I think it's just a really difficult situation for Todd Bowles, and it might be a scenario where if they do get a new quarterback, they might just try to blow it all up. Number two. Thought this guy might get fired last year as well, be a one-and-done guy, because we've seen him have no success before in Denver. Now he's in Las Vegas, and guess what? No success again in Las Vegas, at least thus far. And Vegas just seemed like a complete mess for so much of last season. They are obviously having Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback here. That theoretically gives him familiarity, but Josh McDaniels absolutely number two on the hot seat, in part because it just feels like this... It just feels like it's not working. We've seen Josh McDaniels. I'm just a big believer in this. It's the best way to put it. When a coach shows you the first time it's not going well, very rarely does the second time around go better. And Josh McDaniels showed the first time it did not go well. And we're starting to see that the second time too. Just not a big not a big believer in Jimmy G, health-wise or talent-wise. Number one. I mean, I, I don't know if this is going to be much of a surprise to you, Courtney, because much like some of these other guys on this list, specifically Brandon Staley, it feels like every year around this time, we've been talking about this guy. Mike McCarthy hanging out number one here again this year because Jerry Jones is getting up there in age. They already made the decision with Kellen Moore, and that's usually a sign. When you're moving on from your coordinators, that means you know it's potentially coming for you if it doesn't work out. Mike McCarthy, if this doesn't work out for him, considering what they've got defensively, considering what they have offensively, some of the moves that they've made, it feels like Mike McCarthy might be the next person to move on, especially because they do have Dan Quinn on staff, and Dan Quinn has been a head coach before, so that's an interim title even if they wanted to go there. All right, Mike's list from 5 to 1 again. The top five NFL coaches on the hot seat. Brandon Staley of the Los Angeles Chargers kicking it off at number five. Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland Browns. Tampa Bay's Todd Bowles, Vegas's Josh McDaniels. And down in Dallas, Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys. So let us know how we did. Who are we missing from this list? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Which NFL head coach has the most to prove in 2023? Or they might be finding themselves out of a job. Like, I've given my list in about an hour here on ESPN Radio. Candy and Carlin, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. 
and there's two names. I'm not going to tell you who. Three names, actually, that I look at this list where we might know. Two in the same position, four names in total. It is not hard to figure out who has the most at stake because, of course, when it comes to quarterback play, Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson, the amount that this team spent to try to elevate a position that they have not been able to have much success at, literally ever, in the history of their franchise, (laughs) and how much that didn't pan out last year. Of course, there are a lot of mitigating circumstances with his suspension, and then he looks terrible when he comes back. Stefanski had success in year one with Baker Mayfield. They make the postseason, and then they've progressively gotten worse since. Makes total sense for a coach who has been very good in his own right, but his team hasn't been able to rise to the level of that they're a threat in the AFC North. So we'll see with him. The Mike McCarthy one at number one. I think, Mike, you were probably ringing the tune for a lot of people out there, Cowboys fans included, who don't believe in Mike McCarthy, think that this is a situation where they want to have Dan Quinn. I think Jerry Jones might even be in that boat, that Dan Quinn might be the head coach of this team at some point. But he's got a lot to prove. Dak's got a lot to prove. They all have a lot to prove after what happened in the postseason last year. Two years in a row where there has been a gaffe that you can place on just like mental errors whether it's Dak Prescott not knowing he needed to hand the ball to the referee in the game against San Francisco two years ago in order to uh, have the clock reset and not have it run out. And then Mike McCarthy last year in the playoff game against San Francisco in the divisional round, that bizarro formation at the end that like <laughs> they didn't even get, didn't even give him a chance to score to try to no. tie up that game. But this is wild. Like I, 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 I firmly Agree with you here on this list. It's hard to find anywhere where you can poke holes in it. Everybody here with something to prove. Plenty more that could be added to this list. Mine might have a couple different names, so be sure to stay tuned. In about an hour, we will get to that. Straight ahead, an elite runner in a 10K race took a wrong turn meters from the finish and cost herself thousands of dollars. I'm going to tell you about that coming up next. ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Eight say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who should be on the hot seat for NFL coaches in 2023? Mike Rostein, Courtney Cronin with you on Canty and Carlin, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike just went through his list from 5 to 1. Brandon Staley, Kevin Stefanski, Todd Bowles, Josh McDaniels, Mike McCarthy. Did he get it right? Is he missing somebody? Billy in Tennessee, you're on ESPN Radio. Who's not on this list that you think should be? Um, yeah, I just want to say uh, most of the list pretty good, but um, I think McCarthy needs to come down a little bit. Number one, Ron Rivera of the Washington Commanders. Apologize for that. I mean, he's in a no-win situation. No quarterback. Best news was they got Eric Bieniemy. At no quarterback to run that offense. I, I mean, like that ought to be number one. Staley two. I think McCarthy should be at five. But you know, there's just no way that I think he just did this season. Listen, Billy, that that's fair. Rivera was in my short list at kind of like six seven area for sure. I, I just get the sense that with all of everything that's gone on, and they're going to have new ownership, they might give it another year to kind of see how it pans out and kind of get the sense of what the lay of the land might be before they would make a move there, especially because 
they're likely starting Sam Howell at quarterback, and I, I don't know that that doesn't inspire Courtney any confidence no. for me. Like people, like we were doing when we were doing the show Monday, we had a long conversation about Desmond Ritter. I, Desmond Ritter inspires a lot more confidence in me than Sam Howell does. So, Sam Howell, you yeah. know what you're getting there, and I. So a team that was 18 in the draft order, they had a chance to move up if they wanted to, but apparently they believe in Sam Howell. It's just a tough situation when you have new ownership coming in that usually accelerates the window to win now and to prove that the current regime should stay the regime going forward. How about Marvell in St. Louis? Marvell, who's on this list or who is not on this list that should be? That list is pretty solid. Uh, I can't lie there, but... um. I agree with the last caller, Ron Rivera, and I'm a, I'm gonna throw a shocker in here. I don't think I don't think Belichick is immune from the hot seat going forward. Um, Robert Kraft, you know, he's been asked a couple of times and he's dodged that question this offseason. So hey, Mar- uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Marvell, appreciate the call, and it's not it's not a shocker. I think you're spot yeah. on there because this is a team that's missed the playoffs two times in the last three years. Robert Kraft, every chance he finds a microphone, is talking about the fact that the standard for the Patriots. It's making the postseason. Bill Belichick tried to outsmart us all last year, Mike. He tried to make it seem like he had all of the answers to the quarterback situation with Mac Jones, with Matt Patricia, and Bailey Zappi, and all of the disaster that panned out in the 2022 season. That's not the case anymore. And now Bill, I think, is feeling the pressure to get this right, whether it's signing DeAndre Hopkins, whether it's Dalvin Cook, whether, you know, other free agent acquisitions to. I'm not going to say put themselves in better position in the AFC East, but make it a more competitive, make it more competitive than it already is. And I already think it's the toughest division right now in the NFL. At least try to like close the gap between where you are, if you're the Patriots and the other three teams in the division. Well, here's the thing with Belichick because Belichick and Pete Carroll, I considered both of them. Yeah, I know Pete Carroll did what he did in Seattle last year, but he's the oldest coach in the NFL. Both of them strike me as. They could retire at any point, and I can't see New England or Seattle moving on from either one of them in terms of a firing. The interesting part to me with Belichick could be a, hey, you know what? You've been doing both jobs for so long. Focus on the field here in the last few years of your career, and one of your many, many, many uh, assistant general manager types like Nick Casario, Bob Quinn was one of those guys, Monty Fort was one of those guys for a while, John Robinson, who is now out of a job, was one of those guys. Like there, there, There's a, a long list of guys that maybe can become your general manager and let you just focus on the field. I can't see a world where Robert Kraft fires Bill Belichick. It just feels like they would figure out some other way to, to make that end. So hot seat, no. Possible pressure, yes, in terms of trying to figure a graceful way out. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. There's our rank My list is coming up here shortly on Canty and Carlin. But I got to tell you about a story coming from Mike's Neck of the Woods in Atlanta. So we know that the 4th of July is known for athletic events that don't always uh, rise to uh, what some people believe is a sport. Of course, I'm talking about the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, but an actual display of like real, true athleticism takes place in Atlanta every year. It's the Peachtree Road Race, and the finish had some controversy with it this past this past you know two days ago Sinberry Teferi who's an Ethiopian Olympian she's won races before she was within striking distance of the finish line 
$10,000 purse for the first place winner. I believe it was 5000 for second place and 3000 for third place. She's trucking along at a very fast pace behind a police motorcycle who was clearing the path for the winner. She ends up following said police motorcycle as he is veering off down a street, doesn't realize she's going off path, and then it allows the two others behind her to finish ahead of her. She ends up going Hell from first no. to third. And in the matter of seconds, she costs herself $7,000. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that much. But for a running race, for a, a situation here where you are literally within striking distance, and then you fumble the bag at the last possible moment. And it got me to think, like, when have I come so close but so far, like, you know, screwing myself over along the way to something that I, I was within striking distance of reaching? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Do you – Do you? does this strike some PTSD in you, Mike, when you hear about this? I mean, yes, like every day of my life. That is just like <laughs> the story of it, right? So close yet so far. It, it hurts. And of course, this happened in Atlanta where I live. I actually had a bunch of friends run in the peach tree. None of them were competing, by the way, with with any of those top runners whatsoever. That It's not going to happen. But yeah, it, it hit home on multiple levels, Courtney. It hit home in my, in my apartment, in my home, in my town that I live in now, and also in my life because so much of it is just so close yet so, so very far. At the end of the day, just stay on course, and maybe those police motorcycles can carry that sign that says, don't follow me, I don't know where I'm going. Straight ahead, big Hawkeye summer right here on Candy and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.